Shohei Otani hits, pitches, and trades crypto. He does it all on the platform that trades it all. FTX, the official crypto exchange of MLB. But you don't have to be a pro to trade like one. Just download the FTX app and you could be trading crypto, NFTs, and more in minutes. FTX, Shohei's in. Are you? Welcome to Fitz on Fantasy. I'm Pat Fitzmorris. Find me on Twitter at Fitz underscore FF. Glad you could join me today. In just a minute, I am going to bring in Bond, Joe Bond, to discuss a variety of fantasy topics. But first, I want to apologize for not having a new episode last week. Skipping the first podcast after the start of the regular season was not something I'd planned, and I hated doing it. But I found myself in a major time crunch last week. And the reason for that is that I was in the midst of a job change and was doing two full-time jobs for a couple of weeks. Um, Some of you might know this already, but I have taken an editor's job at Fantasy Pros. It's a full-time role, and this is going to be the first time that I've ever had a full-time fantasy gig. Uh, Way back in the 90s. I was an editor at Pro Football Weekly for a few years, but that was not a fantasy job per se. That was mostly about being a magazine editor, and uh, fantasy football was only about 20% of that job. So for the last 20 years, I have been an editor at Tribune Media, as in the Chicago Tribune, Uh, not at the newspaper itself, but for the Tribune's syndicate and news service. I don't want to wade too deep in the muck as far as a job description, but mostly I was working with syndicated writers whose content our company would sell to other media outlets all over the country, and in some cases all over the world. I got to work with some fairly well-known opinion columnists, people on both sides of the political aisle. I edited conservative columnist Jonah Goldberg, I edited liberal columnist Robert Reich, the former Secretary of Labor under Bill Clinton. Uh, I edited comic strips. I edited columns on automobiles, personal finance, pet care, etiquette, poker, travel, you name it. Um, There was also a component of my job that included a partnership my company had with a number of magazines whereby we would sell their content to media outlets in other countries. And we had some pretty high quality magazines in our catalog, Rolling Stone, The Atlantic, New York Magazine, Foreign Affairs. I worked on that aspect of our business with the head of our London sales office, this woman from Finland, who was probably my best friend at the company by the time I left. And uh, it was an interesting job. I liked it. You know, it wasn't a bad way to spend the last 20 years. But I'm not going to lie. The thought of doing fantasy work full time always appealed to me. I mean, the bad thing about doing fantasy part time, and I know a lot of people in this space who've been doing it part time, and that's probably most of the people in this space, uh, I know they can attest to this, is that it just cuts into other parts of your life, including family time. So I'm pretty excited to have 
the fantasy realm be my only job. Um, it's a little bit of a weird thing, though, going from political commentary and a variety of other real world stuff to all fantasy all the time. I mean, frivolity is now my job. But hey, people consume this stuff. You are consuming it right now. Fantasy has become a multi-billion dollar business. And uh, not to mention that the pillars of traditional media, traditional print media, have been crumbling around me for years. You know, and it's, it's sad. I've been a newspaper guy all my life. Uh, Tribune Media just got bought by a hedge fund with a reputation for pretty much gutting all the media companies it buys. And as I wrote in an article for Fantasy Pros last week, the mall escalators of traditional media and fantasy sports are heading in completely opposite directions. And the traditional media escalator is headed downstairs toward the parking lot. And the fantasy escalator is headed upstairs toward the food courts and all the fun stores like Spencer's Gifts. So hell, man, I'm going upstairs to get me some Cinnabon and a lava lamp. Anyway, the, the normal thing to do would have been to give notice at my old job and then start at Fantasy Pros as soon as my commitment to the old job was over. But, well, it's football season, and this is the busiest time of the year at Fantasy Pros, and they have things that need to be done. And so I agreed to start work immediately while finishing up at my old job, and it just did not leave me time for anything else last week, uh, including a podcast or regular sleep for that matter. And the reason why Fantasy Pros wanted me to come aboard right away, as opposed to maybe later, like in the off season, uh, is because Mike Tagliere, who's been the lead fantasy football analyst there for a number of years now, is still in the hospital recovering from COVID-19. And Tags pulls a massive amount of weight during football season. I mean, anyone who knows Tags, and that's a lot of you because he is a high-profile dude in the fantasy space, you know how passionate and obsessive he is about fantasy football and how hard that guy works. And I mean, this is a hard thing for me to come to grips with because Tags is a friend of mine, like a good friend. I feel really lucky to have gotten to know him through this stupid little game we all play. Uh, because Tags is just a special dude, like truly one of a kind, as genuine as they come. One of the things that most appealed to me about the Fantasy Pros offer was the chance to work with Tags, the chance to do podcasts with him on a regular basis, the chance to talk to him even more often than I do now. And I have to wait for that to happen. And it's hard, man. Tags has a huge following and his followers know how nice and how genuine he is. And so they're very loyal to him. Understandably. So tags is awesome. And no doubt some of those people are going to see me as just a mere placeholder for tags until he is ready to come back. And I'm totally fine with that. I mean, that's exactly what I'm doing. I might be the one writing the primer while he's recovering, but the primer is his baby I'm just the babysitter. And I know I'm not the only one who misses him 
a lot of my followers on Twitter and a lot of the people in the fantasy biz have reached out to me and asked about tags or told me they're thinking of him and praying for him. It's really cool, man. I mean, he's got a lot of friends, a lot of people in his corner and a lot of people who miss him. I miss him too. Get well soon tags. So that's the update. My long winded explanation of why there wasn't a new podcast episode last week. And for that, I offer my sincere apologies. And speaking of the podcast, Fits on Fantasy will continue despite my move to Fantasy Pros. Uh, at some point, it is going to be joining the Fantasy Pros family of podcasts. So it should be even easier to find, which is a good thing. But yes, I am going to continue to do the show for as long as you will put up with me and my shenanigans. Now let's go talk to Joe Bond. Joining me now is Joe Bond. He's the founder of FantasySixPack.net and host of the Fantasy Six Pack Hour, a very fun show where Joe and his guests tip a few brewskis while discussing the fantasy football topics of the day. And Joe is also an ace ranker, I should note. He finished third in the Fantasy Pros in-season accuracy competition last year and has been in the top five two years running. Find him on Twitter at F6P underscore Joe. Joe, what's good, my friend? Thanks for joining me. Hey, man, uh, glad to glad to be here. I, I, I'm having a it's it's a it's a good Monday. I went five and zero, so that's that's great. Um, did not do so well in, in week one, so <laughs> hoping, hoping this continues. <laughs> oh, it's good to have the bounce back week two, then, man. Absolutely. Beautiful. I, I think I I think I took it on the chin and. Uh, a majority of leagues yesterday. I think it was sub 500, but yeah, um, I was you know, the opposite. There were some triumphs. Awful. So, yeah. Yeah. We'll be good. We'll be good. <laughs> <laughs> Such is life so, for uh, fantasy football. <laughs> yeah, exactly, man. The ups and downs. Uh, let's start with the Washington football team since they are right in your backyard, in fact. Um, do you think this offense can function as well with Taylor Heineke at the controls as it would have with Ryan Fitzpatrick? I don't honestly. Um, I think Fitzpatrick. Was, you know, we all we all kind of drafted this team expecting the gunslinger mentality of Fitzpatrick. Uh, Heineke is a a safer guy, uh, and and that's what we're gonna get. And and you know, look, we we saw it just this week. You know, you know, it's it's a. Uh, he he doesn't want to use Gibson as much, and 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 so that's what we're gonna get. Yeah, do you think that was sort of Heineke related that we saw in Week One, McKissick almost like marginalized, and it it seemed like it was going to be wheels up for Antonio Gibson, but then in Week Two we saw McKissick play this huge role, and uh, you know it was him. McKissick keeping Gibson off the field a bit when Washington went hurry up. Um, I mean, which of those two results, week one, where it seemed like it was just a totally Gibson-dominated offense, week two, where it was very much McKissick back to being the McKissick of 2020, uh, you think the second week is more representative of the J.D. McKissick experience with Heineke? I do, actually. Um, I, I, I really do. I think, um, you know, there was an article that, uh, I think it was Pro Football Focus that, that put out that showed that 
you know, the, the quarterbacks that pass to the, the, the running backs, the least and Fitzpatrick was basically the top of that list. So um, the fact that he didn't want to, you know, the fact that they, they went away from McKissick in week one and they game planned. Like I, I get it. Like, and I, and I get that Fitzpatrick went, it went out early, but like the game plan was okay. Gibson and McKissick, you know, was going to be a, sec- a an afterthought. Um, so now that the game planned with Heineke, I, I kind of expect that McKissick is going to get more, more and more involved. So um, I, I, I fully expect that that's going to happen going forward, at least while Fitzpatrick is, is, is hurt. Now we did see McLaurin have a really nice game in week yes. two with, uh, Heineke playing is it you know are you less concerned with him uh, and and the pairing with Heineke than maybe just worried that uh, you know Logan Thomas isn't going to join that elite group of tight ends or that maybe Deami Brown isn't going to pop as he might have with you know Ryan Fitzpatrick heaving it to him downfield I think McLaurin is pretty safe uh, you know he's obviously the, the top dog there and you would have to think that Heineke knows that, and we saw it this week. So um, I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not very concerned with McLaren at all. I, I don't really like anybody else on this team. I never, I really wasn't a, a, a Logan Thomas fan to begin with. I, I took him as like my tight end two and a couple of best balls, but other than that, it was kind of like whatever. Yeah, um, I mean he. He definitely finished strong down the stretch last year, but it was a different set of circumstances. It was, like yeah, and uh, Mr. Checkdown over there. So it's it's a different offense now too. So yeah, I I like him. I think he's talented. I think he's you know I think he's an athlete for sure. I just it's hard. It's going to be hard to trust him week for week in in fantasy right now. All right, let's turn our attention west then to San Francisco, Joe. Just. Two weeks ago, two weeks ago from from this moment, there were still fantasy drafts going on. It was it was what Labor Day two weeks ago. Uh, there were fantasy drafts going on, and people were very aggressively, very aggressively drafting Brandon Ayuk and Trey Sermon. Uh, and now we're only two games into this season, but is it, is it time already for fantasy managers to just walk away from these guys? Like, are they both droppable in average sized leagues? No, I mean, you also have to realize that, you know, the receiving core is going to get injured in San Fran. And we already know the the running back is going to get injured uh, in in San Fran. And so Sermon's is going to get involved eventually. I, I mean, look, if you're in a really shallow league and you got some studs on the, on the waiver wire, fine, drop Sermon. I'm not I'm not giving up on, on Ayuk yet. Um and but I even told somebody to go out last last week and pick up Sermon because I mean he's he's gonna get involved. I mean like just this last week. I mean he Mitchell wasn't that great. He just got a lot of work. That's all there is to it. So like Sermon's gonna get involved. So I, I don't know how much we can trust on Hasty to 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 carry this workload. They drafted Sermon where they did for a reason. I think Shanahan's just being a D bag, be honest. Like <laughs> if I don't, I'm not trying to cuss on your show. So I'll, I'll just try to be as, 
<laughs> no, man. Feel, feel <laughs> got free. It. Feel free. Um, <laughs> you, but you make an interesting point, though. I mean, like some coaches have a doghouse. It's like Shanahan's got a whole kennel out there. Right. Um, and it, like both of these guys have landed in it, man. I mean, Ayuk was a guy, Matt Harmon was on my podcast like a month ago, just singing the praises of Ayuk and how impressed he was with this Debo guy. Debo is like, just eating this eating this crap up, man. Like it, and, and I love it because I, I drafted Debo everywhere because he was going super cheap and I'm loving it now, but like I'm just waiting for Ayuk to just eat into that. And yeah, it's going to happen eventually, guys. Like Ayuk is talented and we saw it last year. So it, it will happen, I promise you. You would think so, man, but I'm starting to have these bad Dante <clears throat> Pettis flashbacks all of a sudden. <laughs> how, how can, how can <clears throat> Ayuk be playing behind Trent Sherfield and Mohamed Sanu? I mean, it's just like, does Shanahan really think the offense works better with Sanu and, and Sherfield seeing snaps, running routes that's than a, Ayuk? That's it's, a tough one. That's a tough one. Yeah. Yeah, man. I mean, it just seems like you're you're cutting off your nose despite your face. But um, so yeah, I <laughs> I don't know, man. Like, I, it's going to take a lot at this point, though. It seems like for Sermon to get back ahead of and and you did mention injuries, and we saw like all three of the guys in the San Francisco backfield get hurt yesterday. So like, brutal. Yeah, Mitchell briefly went out with some sort of shoulder thing. I think it was a stinger. Sermon had the one disastrous carry where he gets popped and, you know, maybe gets a concussion and fumbles, um, you know, hasty has an ankle thing. So yeah, it's messy. And maybe, maybe that's what it's going to take. It's hilarious. So you, you, you know, you know, Jeff Lambert, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm going for two. So he, he always, he comes on my show every, every year during the draft season. And I always bring him on for the, at, at for for the West show and he goes, you know what? I'm not drafted any of these 49ers running backs except for the cheapest one. The reason why is because the cheapest one is the one that works. And two seasons ago it was like Wilson and you know this year I'm like it, it was supposed to be Mitchell and of course he got a little banged up already. But I'm like it works every time it seems like I'm like that's unbelievable. So yeah I Kudos to Jeff Lambert there for that call because he's a 49ers fan too. So he knows and it seems to work. So, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, we got Wil- Wilson will be back at some point. Yeah. At some point, like, yeah, at some point that's going to, that's going to happen and, and that's going to even make, make, make things m- more messy. So yeah, good, right. good luck. <laughs> no kidding, man. Even carry on Johnson is lurking around. So this could be one of those things where, uh, you know, it's a collective fab sinkhole all year where people are just throwing money at these backs and nothing ever sticks. Oh man. It How many painful. people blew like 90 plus dollars of their hundred at, at Mitchell and going like, Oh wait, what? Yeah, maybe, <laughs> man. I mean, like he did get all the work in week two and I know they had tough going, but like, he's still the, the primary dude there until, and you know, like if he is the guy and like no one else is getting a share of more than 30 or 35% of the snaps, like that's a, a pretty valuable role. It is. Again, again, we're just working off like one pretty good game, pretty good game, not even a great game against the the Lions in week one with a positive game script and then, you know, kind of a a questionable week two result. So a lot yet to be sorted out with you. I I totally agree with you on that. Well, I kind of balked Um, on it, but yeah, (laughs) I might be wrong. I was wrong on, um, 
I was wrong on Lindsay a couple of years ago. So yeah, we'll, we'll see. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of messy backfields. Um, yeah. Yeah. So w- one other Niners related thing though, Joe, that I wanted to bring up with you and I, I can't even believe I'm asking this, but uh, do you have any concerns about George Kittle right now? I mean, through two games, he's only been targeted nine times, eight catches for 95 yards, no touchdowns yet. I mean, not bad, but uh, to borrow a line from the breakfast club, I expected more from a varsity letterman. Yeah, man. Like I'll, I'll be honest. I didn't get Kittle in any drafts and there's a reason for it. Um, I, I, if I didn't get Kelsey or Waller, I was like, I'm out. And then I just kind of went with whoever, uh, and I didn't expect this, you know, the snap share is phenomenal in 95%, almost 94 and 94 to 95. But yeah, the, the targets are just not there. And, that was something I spoke about in the off season where, you know, you, you had to expect the fact that, you know, if Debo was healthy and Ayuk, oh, we don't know what Ayuk's doing right now, but you know, if, if these guys are around Kittle, wasn't going to get that target share that he was getting last year and the year before, because he was literally the only guy, like there was no receivers before. So I didn't expect it to be this bad. But it's it is it is concerning. I'm still gonna just roll with him, you know. Especially if you drafted him where you did, you just gotta go because you probably didn't draft the second one. So it is what it is. Get on Team Shack with WinBet. We're playing parlays, boosting odds, and laying the wildest prop bets. Don't miss another game. Download the WinBet sports betting app today. Sign up today and win $200 in free bets when you place a $10 first-time wager on a straight better parlay. Offer subject to change, terms and conditions at winbet.com. Must be 21 or older and present in the state where playthrough winbet is available. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. Yeah, I was really optimistic. I mean, I actually had him ranked ahead of Waller, which in hindsight looks like a big mistake just because of the... uh, snap share targets or not the target share yeah that's the thing man like the targets are just coming hot and heavy for waller and continuing to and i'm surprised we haven't seen more from kittle and i i kind of looked at that small sample size from last year when debo Ayuk, and kittle all did play together and kittle was still kind of the alpha guy with targets there and his like target share was pretty much in line in those games where they all played together with all his other games. So I, I felt like it was going to be, you know, either Debo or Ayuk who was going to lose out. And it turns out really like Debo just uh, is collecting all the targets here, man. That That's, I mean, not kind of how I saw it going. The thing with Jimmy G is like, he just kind of, he, yeah, he really just goes, goes after one guy. It feels like, and he's like, he loves Debo this year. So sucks for Kittle. I have him in the dynasty league. So it sucks. So I, I feel you, man. <laughs> do you think the dynamic changes at all when when they move to Trey Lance? And I feel like that move is coming, man. Like it I, will I, come. That that offense is stale, dude. Um, I'm I'm not really like it's tough, man. Because like you know you see the same thing with the Bears and like Dalton and Fields, and like you think like oh Robinson's gonna be awesome when 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 Fields is there, and and then we see Fields in the game, and you're going like, well maybe not. <laughs> It's just not working. And 
so it's just it's tough, man. Like it's tough with these rookies, and you know they're not they're not used to the defenses and that kind of thing. And so, I, it it's hard, man. Like I mean, at least I would say with with Lance and Kittle, you get maybe you got that rookie quarterback and tight end kind of connection thing. Like I, mean, I know that I know that's a thing. So. Maybe maybe we'll go with that. That's a, as a dynasty owner of Kittle, I'm praying that that's a thing because my team's struggling. <laughs> yeah, I I know what you mean though. Like with Kittle or with uh, Trey Lance and Justin Fields, it's like that the excitement is more about what they can do as runners and anything in the passing game is gravy. These guys aren't going to come in and be thrown for 300 yards every every week, and uh, so you have to kind of wonder about where that leaves their targets and, and, you know, do guys like Kittle and Allen Robinson have the same value that they might've before. But then again, you know, we're not seeing Kittle produce much value right now. So uh, maybe a change wouldn't be the worst. Um, Joe, before we go any further, I've, I've got to ask about your dog, man. I saw the photo you posted on Twitter <laughs> the other day. What, what kind is it? It's a, uh, it's a golden doodle actually. Um, most golden doodles are a little more curly, uh, but mine is more straight haired. So uh, we wanted to go get a golden retriever, and we found this. We found her and fell in love right away, and had to bring her home. Well, at least she's actually golden. We've got a uh, a black and white outcast golden doodle here in in our household. Yeah, that's so, interesting. Uh, how old, how old is yours? She's. 12 so she's she's getting up there uh it, it's funny the the picture i showed is is uh she every week so my my wife leaves me alone on sundays you know thankfully um she knows i need to do my rankings and all that kind of stuff so she goes to lunch with the kids and takes them to the playground and then she she comes back at like three o'clock in the morning in the afternoon in the meantime my dog is like, I don't know if she like senses the stress of me like watching football or something, but she hops on the couch and like lays on me every freaking week. It's unbelievable. Like I could take that picture that I showed on Twitter every single week. It wouldn't, it wouldn't be the same picture. It would be a new picture every week. That's what happens. It's, it's weird. I, I don't know why. So it's, it's fun though. I mean, she likes to cuddle. It's fine. I'll take it. <laughs> That's hilarious, man. Yeah, we we got ours uh, last year. I think we got him before the NFC Championship game the day before. So he hasn't experienced really the full NFL Sundays yet. <laughs> and uh, you know, so far he's reacted to it by just kind of like picking that as his sleep time. Like, okay, you know, every yeah. Usually she usually just sits there on the on the floor and sleeps, or up on the on, on the other uh, couch in the main floor and sleeps. But like for whatever reason. During football, during football time, she hops up on the couch and just like flops on me. I'm like, okay, this is what's going to happen. <laughs> so, Joe, you are a uh, life. <laughs> you are a lifelong Maryland guy, correct? Well, no. Uh, not, so not I lifelong? Grew, no, I grew up in Northern Virginia. Um it was okay. uh, like Fairfax, Burke, Virginia is where I grew up. Uh, but I moved up here when my wife, now my now wife, um, she was a, um, <clears throat> sorry, she 
went to med school in Maryland and then got residency. And then once I realized that this was the real deal, uh, I moved up here and, and, and that's how it worked. So, but close enough, close enough. I was very, very, very close to Maryland the my entire life. <clears throat> what, like what else besides an appreciation of crab cakes stamp someone as like a Maryland person? I mean, like what are, what's the area like as far as like people and sort of uh, the ethos of the place? Like, is there a, I don't know, is there anything you would, that stands out as far as characterizing? If you're going to mention crab case, you got to mention old Bay, like old Bay is the real deal. You, you got it. You got to do it. Um, if you, if you don't know old Bay, then you're not a Marylander. I mean, I know they always say hey, crab cakes and football, right? But it, it's really Old Bay. Like, and there's a lot of people who really don't know what Old Bay is. And it's a seasoning, and it's phenomenal. So if you don't if you don't know what Old Bay is, try it, and it's phenomenal. Yeah, explain the flavor. I've had it, but I, I'm not sure <clears throat> I could. It's weird. It's like it's like a like. I mean, I know everybody said like seasonal and and that kind of stuff, but like. It's it's super salty, so yeah, if you like salt, you're good. Uh, but it but it's like I don't know. It, I don't. It's it's hard to explain, man. Like it. it uh, yeah. If if you've had seasonal, like you, you've had Old Bay, but like more salt, more. It's so tough. Like I suck at this. What are I, what are I, the best What are the best things <clears throat> to put it in? I mean, it definitely like seafood. Just. Crab cakes, shrimp, like everything seafood, just put Old Bay on it, like, and it will be better. <laughs> That's all there is to it. Um, every Marylander will tell you that, especially if you go closer to Baltimore. That's where it's from. So, speaking of Baltimore, in that in that area, are you a Nats fan or an Orioles fan? I grew up an Orioles fan because the Nats were not a, a team. Um, and so, yeah, I, um, I grew up in O's fan. I had a happy five years. <laughs> I was going to say, man, is that an, just an unending source of frustration or, yes, or yes, like, have expe- expectations shrunk into just nearly zero uh, by now? Yeah, it, it, it's brutal. Like we, we cut the cord a couple of years ago and, and my friends, you know, who are, those fans with me were like, oh, but you can't get Masson. And I'm like, do I really care? Masson's the, the <laughs> Masson's the the channel that actually shows the O's games. And I was like, I don't know if I care. <laughs> I'm like, do I really want to watch them lose a hundred games a year? And no, I don't. So I didn't care. It, it, it sucks, man. Like I, I really am hoping for this bounce back and this rebuild to happen, but you know, whoever they got from the Orioles or from the from the Astros to to redo this rebuild is it's is a long time coming. And we've seen some of these pitchers come up and it's not really working. So I don't know. It's yeah, it's it's brutal. Um it's it's a hard road it's it's a hard team to watch. But I still reform. Yeah, they would have like major underdog cred just across the country if they ever did start to make some noise. Because, I mean, you know, Lord knows right? you've got people who hate the Yankees and the Red Sox across the country and would love to see someone just knock them off their throne. And, and you know, maybe it's uh, 
those teams that they had, you know, a couple of years ago where they were like knocking, you know, they were in, they were almost in the world series and the Royals were the one team that knocked them off the, the, the throne there. And those teams were phenomenal. Uh, and they were so fun to watch. It, it's just, it's tough, man. It's tough to root for this team. Uh, but I still do. It, I just unfortunately can't actually watch them because I don't have the TV, the TV thread. Well, when the rebuild finally kicks in, man, you may have to rethink your TV situation. Might have to figure something out. So now you've got a show where you uh, sit around with other analysts and drink beer, and I know you're an IPA guy. What mm-hmm. are some of your favorite IPAs, and are there any uh, local specialties that you need to tout? So some of the it's tough. It's tough, man. Like there's so many good ones, uh, but the local ones I, I do Kushwa. I do, uh, which which is local. I'll, I'll just tout the Maryland stuff. So so it's Kushwa. I do uh, other half, which is a actually a New York brewery, but they opened up one in in DC. Uh, there's Aslin, which is actually a Reston, Virginia, which is where I'm actually close to growing up um and then um i'm trying to think of the other one um so i said kushwa i said other half i said yeah and then obviously like like flying dog flying dog is is a great one like they're just like you know they're all over the place flying dog is great they have a bunch of good ipas and you know you can't go wrong there Nice, man. I've got my checklist when I hit the uh, warehouse liquor store tonight. Awesome. So thanks, man. <laughs> I, I know you have good taste in beers. I'm an IPA guy myself, so uh, I will have to try some Fantastic. of the uh, mid-Atlantic delicacies. Um, Joe, are you buying Cortland Sutton as an alpha receiver, at least until Jerry Judy gets back from his high ankle sprain? Yeah. Uh, or is this going to be more of a group pass catching effort? Was week two kind of an anomaly? Or, or do you think like he is going to be the guy that Teddy leans on for a while here? No, I, I said it. I said it on Sunday morning. I, I, I said Sutton's going to be the guy. Um, I think those other guys are, are kind of hit and miss. And if, if I had to bet on the other hit and miss guy, it was going to be Patrick because it just seems to work out that way all the time. Um, I know people really like Ham- KJ Hamler and, and I do too. Like, I think he's phenomenal talent just for whatever reason, Patrick seems to score. And so it's just like, don't sleep on this guy. But if you're going to start somebody in a redraft league, it is 100% Sutton right now. Um, I'm hoping it continues because I really like Sutton coming into the season. Um, I just, once, once Judy comes back, I'm not totally confident after we saw week one, like, you know, disaster of Sutton not getting any targets. So that's, that's the one, that's the one, um, thing I I have a little bit of worry about. Yeah, man. Um, so against the Jaguars yesterday, like there was, there were still some other targets to go around. Like we saw the two tight ends, uh, Fant and Albert O collectively get 10 targets and, you know, Tim Patrick found the end zone, only four targets, but yeah, Sutton getting 12, nine receptions, 159 yards. I haven't seen the air yards yet, but, uh, and, and that was kind of what worried me, Joe. I don't know about you, but like 
Teddy is not really a guy who loves to take shots downfield. And I guess I kind of think of Sutton as like maybe his most special quality is his ability to win those contested catches downfield, high point, the the deeper throws and stuff like that. But I mean, he was like an all over the field guy yesterday. And, and I don't know, we saw almost kind of a dimension of his game. Like we haven't totally seen before where he just kind of wins at every level of the field. Yeah. I mean, so you're talking about air yards. I mean, like, so Hamler saw the most air yards because he caught the long bomb. But, um, you know, you know, and that's what his game is. He's the speedster. Um, with with tight ends, you, you, you're going to get, you know, Fant with with the most targets is going to get get more of those air yards, too. So I still like Fant. Uh, it's, it's <clears throat> yeah, it, it's, you know, Albert O. Albert O is just, I mean, he thought three, three targets. And so uh, he he's, he's a DFS play at best in my opinion. Yeah. So uh, it's ugly in Jacksonville. And I mean, that's who uh, yeah. Denver was kind of picking on yesterday. Like DJ Chark, LaVisca Chenault, Marvin Jones. These guys all had their supporters in the off season, but that offense looks bleak, man. I mean, is there hope for any of these guys? Which one or which ones do you think could still be potentially useful? It's tough in Jacksonville, man. Like I, I think you know, if you were punting quarterback, I think you're still hoping Lawrence is going to get you know that that Blake Bortles, <laughs> you know that the Blake Bortles role where where he's just going to get garbage time. And he did in week one, so it worked. the 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 problem is the receivers, really. Like we we like the receivers, we. They all have a lot of talent. Um, I like DJ Shark the most, as I said earlier. But it's whew, it it's tough, man. Like uh, we're looking at targets here. So snap share between Shark and Jones is ninety one, and then Chenault in seventy three. So still solid with Chenault. Uh, target? Why am I missing the target rate here? Um, I don't know why I'm, I'm missing it, but either way, like it's just um, I I've still I still oh yeah sorry targets for, for shark is twelve and Jones is nine so I still like the fact that the shark is just being targeted a lot heavier. Um, Jones is involved. I think everybody kind of overshot their you know whatever on on Chanel a little bit. Um, I I liked him. I I like him as a talent. Um, I just don't know if he was going to be the guy. And that's why I always faded him, especially where he was going. So um, the running backs for Jacksonville, though, like, oh my gosh, like such a disaster. I, I don't know what to do here with them. Like I, I when, when, uh, when ETN went out, I had, I had Robinson in Scott fish and it was like, Oh my gosh. I'm like, Oh, I was like pumping my hands. And I was like, Oh, that's awesome. Sure. Windfall, and, man. You thought yeah. you had a windfall and nothing to show for it. So I might be benching Robinson now going forward because he's doing absolutely zero. You know, I, I, I got James Robinson. Yeah. I got James Robinson to go in his place. So maybe that'll work. <laughs> I mean, like the results were bad for Robinson in week two. I mean, like nothing exciting, but at least the, the usage was like, yeah, I don't know. Urban Meyer was really using 
uh, Carlos Hyde a lot in week one, and uh, he kind of dialed that down in week two. And it was, you know, not quite like James Robinson of 2020, where he was just getting the the massive snap. Like no matter what happened, he was just getting snaps. Like they were losing by 30, and he was like, hey, those are going to give James Robinson the ball. (laughs) Yep. Didn't matter. I I mean, he did go – he did go back to dominating the backfield touches in week two, which was good, but uh, there just wasn't much to show for it. Let, let's talk about the Raiders for a second, Joe. So that passing game has been, I mean, to say the least, a, a pleasant surprise. In leagues where Henry Ruggs and Brian Edwards aren't rostered, do you think these guys should be targets this week for anyone in need of receiver help? Yeah, absolutely. Why not? I mean, like these these guys, like if this is going to be the the Raiders' offense, like they clearly are not going to run or, or rely on the running game. So, um, even even with Jacobs there, like it's just not going to happen. So, I have a, I have a good friend who's who's a Raider fan, and and he he's loving it, and and I would be too. Like. I'll be surprised. Like the the biggest thing is like I'm super surprised about how well this defense has played against two top notch offenses, and um, but yeah, I mean with with Edwards, Edwards, we all loved Edwards coming into the season, and and um, we we know the talent is there. It's just like can he get the workload, and and it's working right now. And, and Rugs showed this last week finally. Uh, Renfro is, you know, Renfro is going to be Renfro. And then of course we know Waller, like Waller's a baller, you know, that's, that's, that's kind of the deal. So, um, like, like I said earlier in the game, um, in, in the show, I, I took, I took Carr as my tight end or as my QB two in Scott fish because of the efficiency, the efficiency hasn't quite been there. But he's he's showing up with the yards and everything else, so like I'm I'm taking it, man. I I love it right now. This this Raiders offense is phenomenal. Dude, like he, the the normal Derek Carr works in the Scott Fishbowl because he's got that high completion percentage, right. pretty good about not throwing interceptions and getting you in trouble there. Like that weird, unique, and for the uninitiated, uh, the the interesting thing about quarterback scoring in the Scott Fishbowl is that you get a half point for every completion mm-hmm. and minus a full point for every incompletion. Which is I just kind of crazy. Sixty like percent completion rate, so it's it's actually not working in my favor. Totally the way yeah, I thought but it like, was. But hey, I, I'm I'm loving it. <clears throat> oh my god! But the yards per attempt have got to be through the roof for Kyle. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's just, way like, higher than I thought it was going to be. Way yeah, it's higher. not the typical Derek Carr, but like in in normal leagues where we don't have the Scott Fishbowl scoring, like I just changed him in my rest of season rankings this morning. Like I moved him from like low end wide receiver two, which is kind of where I had him throughout draft season, to pretty much high end wide receiver two, like quarterback fourteen or something like that. Because I'm just yeah. buying what now that we know he's just got chucking him at wide receivers. Yep, yep. I mean, before I just didn't know if if he had anything at wide receiver. We didn't know if, if Ruggs or Edwards were just functional pass catchers. And now these guys look really good. Ruggs is the guy you'd rather have than Edwards. Is that fair to say? I don't know, man. Actually, uh, I, I, I think in a, in, you know, from a, cons- I'm a big consistency guy. Like I'm, I'm a Bob Long guy. Um, and 
So I I love going consistency and and I think I would rather have Edwards because I think Ruggs is just like, you know, he's gonna have weeks where he had week one where it was the zeros, right? And it did nothing. And then you're gonna have weeks like you had last, you know, last night where it was it was great. Uh, but that's hard it's super hard to that's why I don't like Amari Cooper. Um he does those like ups and downs. It's just like ebbs and, ebbs and flows, man. It's, it's just like, it's super hard to trust. So I, I, I like Edward. I, I was just going to say a hat tip to Bob Long, the uh, founder of the now annual fantasy football expo yeah. in Ohio. But Bob's thing, Bob's thing is consistency. consistency he is all yeah. about uh, finding that week to week consistency. And yeah, Henry Ruggs is probably not going to be that guy. You might want to pick your matchups and your spots with him. He's uh, a DFS guy. A little bit. Yeah. But, um, right. A, oh, a, a GPP guy for sure. Yeah, but, um, for sure. Yeah. So, I mean, is that where you, like, if you were doing rest of season rankings, does that sound about right? That Carr is like kind of a, a higher end quarterback too? Maybe not the guy you want to roll out every single week, but, uh, you know, a guy who's fantastic in two QB leagues who... I, I don't know, man. I mean, like, is he even a matchup play anymore? Because he just incinerated I, two I think really he's highly play. regarded defenses. Yeah, I think he's probably going to be owned, you know, rostered in, in a lot of leagues right now. But, yeah, I, I still think right now, because, you know, it's still Derek Carr. I, I know I know. we just saw what we saw for two weeks in a row and against two good details defenses but it's still Derek Carr it's still like we've still got what five six years of of experience from him going Bleh. and so like it you know I, I think you agree like it's it's hard to trust that um but I I still think yeah I would you know if you're in a lot of leagues, I think people are rostering two quarterbacks because, you know, that's what people are doing right now. And, and, and I agree. Um, so I would, I would, I would go after, I would go after him for sure. If he's still out there and, and just, you know, flex him or not flex, but, you know, go after, go after the, um, <clears throat> sorry. Um, sorry. I'm totally blanking right now, but go, you know, deal, deal, Go after the um, – I'm totally blanking. I don't know why. I mean, I've got right now like where I want to get there. But, yeah, it, it would probably be about 14 is where I would put him if that's what you're asking. Yeah, that sounds about right. I mean, I've got a league where I, I thought Trevor Lawrence might be uh, you know, a viable starter right away. And, and I do like Lawrence eventually. I think he's mm-hmm. going to pop before long but man i just hate this urban meyer offense and what we've seen it <laughs> of it so meyer far bad. and uh in that league in that league i'm gonna spend up for car on waivers this week because i just yeah. can't I, I, it's a good roster otherwise and i just can't keep muddling through with trevor lawrence as my quarterback um speaking of quarterbacks joe are you buying the sam darnold revival like are we looking to start this guy now his upcoming schedule listen to this for upcoming schedule his next eight games uh, at Houston, at Dallas, Philadelphia, Minnesota, at the Giants, at Atlanta, the Patriots, and the Cardinals. So, like, 
there are no like skull and crossbones matchups there. There are some really good ones the next two weeks with Houston and Dallas, maybe even three with Philly. Um, I don't know, man. I mean, it, it seems like he is starting, trending toward being a viable fantasy starter. Would you agree? You mean you mean somebody not somebody getting away from out uh, Adam Gase is actually good. <laughs> It's a shocker. Um, no, yeah, I mean, I, I'm kidding, but I'm not. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, look, I, I'm not, I'm not trying to rely on him as, as my fantasy quarterback, but I do like the fact that DJ Moore is heavily involved in, and you know, Robbie Anderson is somebody that I'm, you know, we talked about this on, uh, on, on the Sunday Night Show. Robbie Anderson. That's that's a that's a scary one, man. Like I don't, I I need to see him oh, get yeah. involved. But but it's basically like I, the only guys I really want to trust right now until we see a few more weeks. Like I still need to see Darnold a few more weeks before I really trust him. I'm I'm sorry. Like I, I'm I'm just one of those guys. I'm a little more. Uh, I I just have to be I have to be safer than than others. Totally understand. But yet, while you're talking about the gays thing i mean if a, a quarterback is the product of his environment what a great environment to have this this matt rule joe brady offense to have christian mccaffrey with the easy checkdowns to have a, a, a an alpha receiver like dj moore and uh yeah maybe we should get on robbie for a second and talk about him because i think i don't know if this makes sense to you but like it seemed like, well, with the Jets, he had that history as kind of a vertical receiver. He was like the take take the top off the defense guy. And then he gets to Carolina last year, and they were using him as kind of that short area receiver. It was a total turnabout in his role, but it was working. Like he was getting a lot of targets, getting a lot of catches, uh, really kind of almost a PPR specialist last year. And I think that was largely the product of the injury to Christian McCaffrey, that they needed him to play that role for them. And now McCaffrey's back and DJ Moore is like clearly the guy they need to, you know, have most of the downfield throws directed at. Like they want him to be the, the deeper targets. And I mean, it, I feel like Robbie is just sort of left without a role now. Uh, yeah, I totally agree. Um mentioned that earlier in in the offseason and i was like uh we might want to be we might want to you know pump the brakes a little bit on 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 robbie anderson for that exact reason so not much else to yeah. say but you know, i totally agree and and we're seeing yeah. it yeah i mean he's still a good player but he is uh yeah know, kind of a tertiary option for them right mm -hmm. now so absolutely um, so terrace marshall is gonna get involved to too that, that's another thing. It's going to make like, it even worse. The, exactly. The big rookie from LSU is going to possibly steal even more targets. Um, what are we making of the Saints offense, Joe? I mean, I don't think anyone is giving up on Alvin Kamara. But what about Jameis Winston and Marquez Callaway? And, like, just – I don't know. Are you at all weirded out by how functional and efficient they were in week one against the Packers and how they just completely laid an egg against the Panthers week two, seven points and 128 yards for the entire game? I look, I didn't expect either weeks. 
Is that is that fair to say? <laughs> like, I, I don't right, know, right, like, man. The two extremes. Totally crazy. Sure. It was like it was like I didn't expect this like crazy efficient game from Winston. You know, week one, and then you get this super inefficient game in week two with Winston, and you're like, what? I I don't know, man. Like it's it's the yeah. When you brought up Callaway, right? Like. He is a guy that everybody really loves, and and I didn't, I didn't buy him at his price, um, thankfully. Um, but he, you know, he he's still a talented player. I think he's got to get involved. Um, the the biggest worry, and and obviously, like people weren't buying Winston, people weren't really buying Callaway super super high. Uh, the guy that that's gonna burn people is is Kamara, and that's the one where I'm going. Ah, I I don't know what's gonna happen here. Um, you know that you know Kamara wasn't gonna be targeted in the passing game as much as we all were hoping because of Winston. Uh, Winston likes to check it downfield, and even in Week One, we saw that the fact that you know he. You know, yeah, he threw five touchdowns, but like Kamara really wasn't super duper involved. And so, I mean, granted, 20 pass attempts, but yeah, it, it it's it's gonna be a tough sledding for for Winston and Kamara going forward. It's gonna be hard to trust this team. I, I I'm one of the weird ones, and I kind of wish Taysom Hill would would be the be the quarterback there. Dude, I mean, maybe so. Like, I, I don't think we're going to see Kamara get back to uh, what was that magic number for receptions for three straight years, 81. We're not going to see another 81 catch season for him. That's just going away. The Drew Brees, Drew Brees usage in the passing game is no more. Um, and we really saw that passing game usage kind of shrivel up with Taysom Hill last year. But maybe it would at least improve the efficiency of the running game. I mean, it seemed like the Taysom Hill thing was off the table after week one when Winston played so good, but now maybe that's going to be a thing again where, uh, you know, they're considering giving him more snaps or so. we'll see how Sean Payton works this out. But yeah, I mean, just not getting a clear picture of the Saints offense at all and uh, whether they can have a functional passing game minus Michael Thomas, Um yeah, man, it, it was bleak. And I thought maybe Marquez Callaway would have value. I thought maybe after week one was the time to buy. People would panic sell after a tough matchup against Jair Alexander. And I know the Panthers have some cornerbacks who can cover too. You know, Dante Jackson, uh, the rookie mm-hmm. Jason Horn. But for him to really just, you know, put up next to nothing as far as numbers for two straight weeks is, is pretty alarming. And I think you're going to see Callaway get dropped in a lot of leagues this week. Um, I don't doubt it. Joe, where were you on Kyle Pitts in the, uh, in draft season? I mean, like huh. fantasy analysts were like fighting I, the Kyle Pitts crusades all off season, you know, like I, you were either pro or con and it seemed like there was no in between. I was actually one of the few fence sitters where, I was definitely amazed by what he did in college and the prospect profile, but willing to acknowledge the slow development historically of, of young tight ends in the NFL. 
I mean, what was your take? I I was yeah, I was kind of with you. I, I was kind of on the fence. Like I had him, I kept flip flopping him between like Hawk and him and Andrews. Like I had him at three at once. I had him five at once. I had him at six at once. It was like I didn't know what to do. Like I I I don't even know where I ended up leaving him. I I think I think I ended up leaving him at five. Is is what I did. So I put him behind Andrews and Hawk, um, and sounds like right now that's that's the way to go. <laughs> Two games in, it sounds like that's that that's the deal. So, um, yeah, it, it's tough, man. Like you know, it, and that that Falcons offense is just looking not great, to be honest. Like that offensive line is just. It, it, I mentioned this on on the on the show on Sunday night two weeks in a row now. Like Matt Ryan is just running for his life. Like, and there's nothing that either of those receivers, and I'm going to put Pitts in that receiver category, can do. There's nothing he can do. When when the receiver when the quarterback says you know just hike and run like he's just looking for anybody to throw the ball to, and that's all he can do. Yeah, that that offense has been disappointing so far, and um, I don't know. Maybe the the Eagles seem pretty fired up in Week One. Uh, we know the Buccaneers are a pretty tough matchup. You know, maybe things will start to get a little easier if the schedule lightens up. But so far, man, it's been uh, tough sledding. Last thing for you, Joe, is, is Cordero Patterson. Speaking of that Falcons offense, <laughs> is he worth picking up? I mean, dude, here's a, a guy in his thirties. <laughs> you say no, no, no. like I, dude, I, I mean, get it. It, dude. If you, if you're dying yeah. at running back, fine, maybe, but no, no. I mean, uh, would you? <laughs> I'm intrigued by the fact that he is the most explosive guy. He's aggressive <laughs> among he their running backs. Aggressive, man. man. I will say that he is aggressive. He's big. But no, it, it it's hard to trust him because like you got weeks like this, and then there'll be weeks like where he's gonna get three three rushes. That's what happens with him. It feels like so. No, not really. I hear you. The only reason I'm tempted is that I don't think that much of Mike Davis, and people were kind of oh, drafting him on the belief that he was. Yeah, people <clears throat> just thought he was going to dominate the backfield, and he was never good enough to dominate this backfield. So, with, with no other guy. worthy candidates, yeah, what, what were you going to say about? I I took him as my like RB three in a bunch of leagues, and it still didn't work out. <laughs> I I mean Oops. I get the allure for sure. You I, know, I mean, like the the promise of carries but i just i felt like he was never going to be the the workhorse that you know the the depth chart made it seem like he was going to be i get it well that's joe bond ladies and gentlemen go find him on twitter at f6p underscore joe check out his website fantasy sixpack.net and by all means tune into the fantasy six-pack hour and watch fantasy analysts drink beer good beer and talk about players. Joe, remind me when the uh, six-pack hour usually airs. So we're usually on about 9 p.m. Eastern time on Thursdays. Pending awesome. AJ being on time. <laughs> <laughs> so 9.15. Yeah, reliability of a way. co-host. 
Yeah. It's always important. Fantastic, my friend. Thanks again for coming on, Joe. Uh, good luck in the rankings contest this year. Uh, not too, too good, And uh, <laughs> good luck with all your teams. <laughs> all right, man. You too, we'll, man. We'll and, talk uh, again I'm, soon. It'll be hard to beat you. So uh, good luck, though. See ya. <laughs> all right. Thanks, buddy. That's a wrap, folks. Once again, my thanks to this week's guest, Joe Bond of FantasySixPack.net and the Fantasy Six Pack Hour. Find him on Twitter at F6P underscore Joe. The producer of Fits on Fantasy and an amazing producer he is, is Mr. Calm Kelly. Find him on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. The music for Fits on Fantasy is provided by International Jet Sets. And before I sign off, I want to thank all of you for listening. Hopefully your teams are all off to good starts. And even if you're 0-2, I hope you're still enjoying the return of football and still looking for ways to improve your fortunes. Hey, I started 1-5 in a dynasty league a couple of years ago and then ran the table to win the damn league. So don't give up even if things seem dire. All right, everyone, time to go. Talk to you next week. This season on American Prodigies, Black Girls in Gymnastics. You'll hear about trailblazers like Diane Durham. Learn what you don't know you don't know about Dominique Dawes. Meet superstars like Olympic silver medalist Jordan Childs and more. Hear how Black gymnasts have and continue to transform their sport. You can binge all the episodes of American Prodigies now, wherever you get your podcasts.